Hey, welcome back to the Heavy Sweater Podcast. My name is John King. Episode four. We've we've made it. It's been a whole month of doing this thing now, and that's actually crazy. Uh, I've been I planned this for like almost a year before I had in, eventually gotten into it, and uh, yeah, it's flown by. So much fun. I'm having an absolute fucking blast doing every single episode. There has not been one episode that I've done that I've been like, oh, nah, like, don't know about that. Like, they're all so much fun to do. And this week's guest is Jared Gertz from Isolation. Absolutely killer band, and they've got a new EP out. It came out on the 2nd of July, This World Grows Cold. It's a fucking ripper. Um, So go check it out everywhere. It's on all platforms, and it's, in my opinion, for what I look for in music, the best Australian release this whole year. It is absolutely sick. So with all that being said, it's Wednesday and you know what that means. So no talking. So what do you want for the intro and the outro? You can say ever what you want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's it's already insane. recording. Oh, it's so so I'm just going to keep it in. That's all good. Go for it. What do we say for the intro? Hey, man. <laughs> What's up? Not much. What about yourself? <laughs> Not much, man. Cool. Where does your journey start for heavy music? The, the beginning for you? The beginning would possibly be through an older cousin. Okay. So I had an older cousin that was very much, uh, he was a drummer. So okay. he played a lot of like Slipknot, System of a Down, so I guess new Metal is probably especially where it became a thing for me. So um, I remember watching him, watching a Slipknot video and I was just like, who the hell is this? Like, what are they doing? That's wild. Yeah, and I was really big into rap. So because new Metal has that kind of rap element, it was very much like a transitional period. Yeah. So I definitely went from like listening to a lot of hip hop and R&B to then new Metal. Yeah. Fuck yeah, you fucking crazy town. Crazy town. <laughs> <laughs> is that the butterfly band? Come my lady, come, come my lady. They went to play Brisbane, yeah. like Australia they recently. Did. They did actually. Yeah, they got in a bus accident before the show and then they came to Australia and Apartheid played with them. Really? Did yeah. Apartheid play with them? Yeah, well they're Crazy they're Town X now. They're not Crazy Town anymore. Is it because it's like a it's lawsuit? Like a, yeah, yeah. Probably like yeah. one member's probably trying to keep it alive. Yeah, the, the vocalist, I think like a bunch of them died. <laughs> oh goodness. Not to laugh at them dying, but like, wow, what a way to it's go. It's a shock, yeah. Yeah, imagine you're yeah. like, I don't know, the singer of a band and then everyone else is like gone and you're like, well, crazy town exit is, let's go. Like, it's wild. <laughs> That's fucking hectic. Slipknot's the first like heavy band. Yeah. That's such a shock. Yeah. Just to be like a kid being like, they're fucking terrifying. Yeah, it was scary. The masks were probably the most like, you know, I don't know, they probably drew me in the most because of the mask and the yeah. mystery, like, mystery behind them and everything yeah. as well. And the fact that there was like, you know, so many nine people yeah. in the band, you're like, what kind of a band is this? Yeah. Like, I, remember, you know? I remember hearing about them being like, there's just one fucking band with three drummers, what the fuck? And not realizing that two of them don't really do a whole lot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they just hit a keg every now and again yeah. on beat and then do some backup vocals. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's crazy. What era slipped on? Uh, pretty much from memory, that was like Wait and Bleed, Eyeless, uh, all that kind of stuff. First album. Yep. Crazy. And then eventually, like, that kind of led to me knowing who they were 
and then through like Channel V, yep. like I was glued oh, to Channel V, Music Max, VH1 as a kid, yep. I'm blessed to have all this stuff, so or Foxtel or whatever yep. Brisbane yeah. people call it, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know. Um, so yeah, basically then I started to get into seeing them, same as like System of a Down as well, because they were around that same time, yep. uh, popping up on Channel V, along with, you know, Mudvayne, a lot of other new metal based stuff, and then pretty much from there, it just grew. Oh yeah, that's crazy. New metal's the beginning. New metal, exactly. Fucking new metal rips. Yeah. <laughs> new metal's the best. And the fact that it's come back like yeah, yeah. 10 years later, obviously yeah. is a good sign that it was doing something right at the time, yeah, that's for sure. for sure. I think it's just looked at in a different way to like metal beforehand. Yeah. yeah and now like every band's throwing rap into like a breakdown. Exactly, yeah. It's all fucking sick. Doing bars, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's fucking so sick. Cool, and then where does the transition for you come listening to like new metal and being like, maybe I could do this too? Pretty much like, I think it was just a matter of like being really into, I guess, like the emotion behind the singing. Because like even when I was a kid, when I heard songs, I felt like I kind of like, I probably wasn't old enough to understand like the topic or maybe like the actual message they were talking about in say your standard like top 40 song. But next thing when you add screaming to it, it's just a whole nother level, like level of emotion. So it kind of like draws you in much faster. So I guess it was pretty much like honing in on that. I was a very angry kid as well, okay. but like listening to the music, it calmed you. Yeah. And you're just like, what's this guy yelling about? Like, why is he angry? I'm angry too. Yeah. Well, should I yell about this? Like, It's very relatable for yeah. like an angsty teenager. Exactly. Kid. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I remember like, you know, just getting grumpy and I'd put on like Iowa or like before I forget. Oh. Next thing you're just like, I'm relaxed now all of a sudden. Iowa so. is a banger. It's really good. It fucking rips so hard. Yeah. yeah. It's just that album that like. Plus like the OG lineup back then oh, too. Oh yeah, like, so funny. You can feel every yeah, like yeah. emotion and anger so like good. in every note see. yeah I feel like in a couple of years time that'll probably be like regarded as one of the best albums of all time yeah yeah it'll be looked at like the black album by yeah, Metallica for or something sure. along those lines for, for sure. sure yeah and deservedly so yeah exactly like, for sure <laughs> <laughs> and then you're from Townsville initially yep. I know that from Jake yeah Townsville North <laughs> Queensland yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. Um, and what's the scene like up there so when Townsville you were growing up so Townsville scene growing up, you pretty much had like a lot of funding from the council. Okay. So we had uh, what was called Youth Network, run by a lady by the name of Rachel Cook. Um, what happened was, well, probably before Untitled, when Rachel kind of took over, they used to be funding by the local council, and there was like, uh, I believe, two to three, I guess, local kids from Townsville that had their hands in local bands. They were basically able to get the funding they were able to hire PCYCs and they would put on monthly shows. That's crazy. And then they would just give an opportunity for local bands to come and play. Most of the time you didn't even know there was a local band until you rock up to this show. And then you realize, hey, I've seen that guy like Stocklands on a Thursday night. He's playing in this band and he's killing it. Fuck yeah. And yeah, you would have no idea that exists. That's Uh, crazy. So yeah, basically started off with a lot of funding. So it was very much monthly based gigs. Um, Eventually that funding kind of left and it was very stagnant for a while. They had like um, Battle of the Bands, things like that. But then eventually the funding got provided to a new organization called the Youth Network okay. in Townsville, and that was Rachel, and she put on a similar thing. Cool. So monthly shows, they would also kind of incorporate with like street artists, okay. graph oh, artists, yeah. and everything like so that. Just local art. Exactly, it was just a place for like, you know, local creatives to yeah. go. Yeah. Fuck yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. Cool, and that would have been like, crazy to see at a young age to be like well fuck these people are playing music too whether it be heavy or not like to see that it is happening in the area yeah that'd be sick exactly it really was and then basically 
people that started off to venture on their own, such as myself, you know, like there was no disrespect in regards to the monthly shows that we were playing, but because they were very like uh, youth grouped orientated, you couldn't really, you just had to be a bit more like uh, censored when you were playing and things like that, which isn't such a bad thing, yeah. but you know, you kind of like got to make sure because it is an all ages group. So, you know, you'd have definitely kids who are like eight years old coming to watch shows. So you couldn't really yeah. be swearing or, yeah. you know, a bit of antics. Uh, so eventually we got to the point where we were like, hey, we want to play different places around Townsville. So I started putting on shows, whether it be 18 plus or yeah. all ages. Yeah. And that's just like, it gives more of an opportunity for a different area in Townsville to have shows instead of always being at the local PCYC. Yeah, that's yeah. so then it started to grow from there, basically. Oh, yeah. yeah, you run the scene. Yeah, pretty much. It really <laughs> was at that one point. Cause like, that's crazy. You get to a point where you're just like, hey, well, we want to play with these bands. You know, they may not have the budget for it or it may not line up with the youth network or the PCYC shows. So uh, there was a place called Garbage Warriors Soccer Club. And like, <laughs> it was just a venue in the middle of nowhere. And um, it was pretty much a big soccer field around it. Inside you just had all these like, I don't know, like awards for the soccer team and everything like that, people's names up there. Cause I've obviously done like the 20 year grind at the soccer yeah. club. Um, and then once, twice a month, we'd rock up and just put holes in the floor by stomping around. And like legit that happened. Fuck. So eventually my bond and everything like that, you know, goes back into the venue yeah. uh, to pay for that kind of stuff, which is fully understandable because they actually gave us an opportunity to go continuously play there. And even if I wasn't booking stuff, he'd call me and be like, oh, do you want to have a booking this month? Fuck yeah. And he'd keep stuff aside because he knew Fridays and Saturdays were the way to go. Fuck yeah. And then I used to serve him when I was working at BWS. So we'd always just yarn and be like, hey, have you got this date? And he's like, yep, Sick. book it in. Yeah. So Fuck it goes from there. And then we had like local sound guys and stuff like that come in and do sound for the shows as well. So it was a very big community DIY basis. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Hustle it. Exactly, you gotta hustle. Yeah, fuck yeah. yeah. That would've helped a lot, like for now, with yeah. everything you guys are doing now, just being like, you know, you've gotta put in yeah. the work to get the results. It was definitely all like, how would you call it? Like a learning curve. And it was just a matter of like, you know, learning all of that stuff through trial and error and eventually now even still putting it into place for the bands today, yeah. like booking shows. Yeah. You know, trying to manage ourselves and everything yeah. like that because it's so much easier that way yeah, like definitely. it would be easier to have somebody else manage us but at the same time if you do it internally you know exactly what you exactly. want you know what the boys want yeah. so like you can kind of put it into play that yeah. way yeah by use for use yeah your best intention that's first. it yeah. Yeah, fuck yeah for us by you <laughs> like, you know exactly <laughs> that's sick Cool. And what was the scene like up there once you started running shows regularly? Was it like popping off? Or yeah. Was it so in the beginning, because especially when I had like a lot of the youth base, like I remember my old band, we played a battle of the bands and we played to 250 people. Because it was a free show as well, yeah. so like it gives an opportunity for people to come get a taste of what's out there. Yeah. Um, and then eventually, like every scene really, you kind of go through this thriving point where you know you're at least hitting maybe if you're lucky. You know, 200 kids at like a night and like a local show, then eventually it does drop down. Whether if that's due to, especially in small towns like Townsville, I put it being like the underage factor. Yeah. So when you're underage, you go to these events and you're kind of like, oh, this is cool. But the moment you're 18 and get that, you know, like validation to go into town and drink, you're in there and you kind of forget about the scene. So it's either basically like you have the kids that stick true to the local scene and the music and the entertainment and see what people are doing or basically the bands start to become like stale yeah. or you start to see bands drop off yeah. and then there's no bands. So when that's happening as well, you see the scene really take a hit. Yeah. Um, so definitely like it comes in waves, that's for sure. 
Um, once we started to put on shows more frequently as well ourselves, you had more of an opportunity for these monthly youth network shows and then you had our RRA present shows. Yeah. And both did really well. Um, and then like, it all just depends on the bands that were playing at the time as well. Okay. So, you know, you would see a rise and a fall, but yeah. what sucks was especially when I left Townsville, there weren't many shows being put on anymore. Yeah. So kind of like, you're like, you know, you're helping raise a child and then you kind of got to move on and leave that child and that child doesn't grow anymore from there. And you're like, damn. So I tried to, when I moved to Brisbane to put on shows and stuff, but it was just really too hard. Like you're having that face-to-face connection with the guy that owned the soccer club, um, the sound guys and everything like that. But I did leave it to a good friend, Ryan Sturgeon. And yeah, he's basically taken over a lot of the shows up north as well now. And they're still doing well. Yeah, they're still doing well. It's very quiet now, especially even COVID more so. Uh, But yeah, we're looking at getting back up into Townsville in August. So yeah, that'd be very good. Fuck yeah. That's excellent. And you said RIA. Guessing that's Red Ribbon Army. Yep. <laughs> and Dragon Ball related. Yep, very much Dragon Ball related. Fuck oh. <laughs> Straight up, yeah. Bunch of nerds basically yeah. playing music. Fuck it. Yeah. Dragon Ball's so tough. Yeah. Fuck it. It's so good. It's so sick. Yeah, I think the band also used to be called Cell Saga at one point. Really? <laughs> that's way before I joined. It was called like Treasian Shrubs or something. <laughs> I <laughs> uh, no, I just got like asked one day. They were like, I, RA Red Ribbon Army was basically all my high school friends. Okay. So we all grew up together from like, you know, even me and the guitarist, we went to preschool together. Okay, so like Alec, we've known each other for a very, very long time. Um, you know, throughout high school, you kind of like have these jam bands and you're like, I love the Amity Affliction. Oh, I love a day to remember. Like, let's try and like do stuff like that. Yeah. But you just don't really have the time or I guess like the interest in it to do so. You have the time to get together and jam and have funds as mates, but that's pretty much as far as it got because that's all we wanted at the time. Yeah. Um, and then all of us started to go find our own local bands in Townsville and start playing shows. I was playing in like a deathcore band. Um, I started to get a bit more established in Townsville. And then eventually I got like a phone call after high school had ended, so 2010. And it was the boys just like, oh, we're adding breakdowns and you're doing vocals now. And I was like, do I have a say in this? Like, and it was basically like, you know, just come together, come jam. And then like within one practice, we wrote like three of our demos, which we used to take to that battle of the band. And it was just, I don't know, it felt really natural as well, especially playing in a deathcore band with dudes that I had met through the local scene. There wasn't that kind of like personal connection there. It, it grew, of course, as it does playing in a band and being that close with people. But like there was just that back history with RA, which made it so much more easier. Yeah. Um, yeah. So basically, that was pretty much just the way it all kind of came together. Fuck yeah. yeah. The classic high school band that doesn't do anything but finally does something. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, we ended up playing that battle of the bands. We did it purely for fun. Yeah. My other band played as well that battle of the bands. So I played twice, which became a thing that I basically did for a very long time because I had two bands. Um, You know, I played both on that night and then basically like RA won, but like we were not really trying, (laughs) you know what I mean? And like, I think it just goes to show the general energy and the love and the connection that was there within that group, that's for sure. Yeah, just the bond that you built with the people you're in a band can translate. Exactly. people watching. Yeah, Yeah, so that was really good. Cool, and then you moved to Brisbane. Yep. Was it just you or the whole Red Ribbon Army? Uh, me and yeah. Red Ribbon Army moved down together. So it started with, you know, there was always talk about, because we played a lot of shows up north, 
we did the North Queensland touring circuit, which is mostly like Cairns, Townsville, Mackay. You come down to Rocky and Gladstone, and then you start to make like you know make your way into the Sunshine Coast. So we eventually started to do that, and we got to a point where like, hey, we're sick of this like 18-hour drive from (laughs) Townsville through to like Sunshine Coast. We even played like a we did like a tour, and it was with Countdown to Armageddon, Red Ribbon Army, um, Rivals, and also. They were called Crow Talk and Malibu Stacy as well. Yeah, okay, cool. um, so all five of us were constantly playing shows together. So we just got sick of doing that drive. And one time we actually came down to the Sunshine Coast, we stayed for a week and a half. Yeah. Just so we can basically, instead of having to drive back yeah. and then yeah. drive all the way back down, yeah. Yeah, we just ended up making a holiday out of it, yeah, which we yeah. wrote the whole time we were in the Sunshine That's Coast. It was really market. good. But yeah, it got to a point where we had a conversation where we were like, hey, we're putting on our own shows in Townsville, which is really good. Like that was rewarding, like yeah. nothing negative about that. But we want to try and give it a bigger whirl. Yeah. Like look what we've done up north. You know, we've been able to establish ourselves in some way, shape or form and cement ourselves as a North Queensland band. Yeah. Let's see if we can at least go to, you know, Brisbane now and make ourselves a Queensland band. Yeah, fuck yeah. So um, it was just a matter of applying for, you know, jobs and stuff like that, finding our way down here. I got a transfer when I was working at a bottle O at BWS. Um, and then I got confirmation that it was all good to go. I turned to the boys and I was like, well, I'm going to Brisbane. So like, you know, if you guys want to come, it's go time. Yeah. My Alec, uh, who I've known since preschool with NRA, we jumped in a car together. We jumped in his Nissan Tita, yeah. listened to Limp Bizkit. We fucked off out of there. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, and it was very scary. Like, cause you basically like, you know, I, I don't know. I liked Townsville. I had a lot of family and friends there and stuff like that. But it was also a matter about getting out of your comfort zone. Because, yeah. like, I don't know, I call it a bit of the, what is it, big fish in a little pond mentality, yeah. especially, like, a lot of the older bands in towns will have that as well. Yeah. Um, so And they kind of sit around expecting things to be given to them but not work for yeah. it. And that's exactly the same as the shows as well. I didn't want to sit around and wait for shows to come. I wanted to put them on. Yeah. Um, so we got to that point where we all moved down together, me and Alec first, and then the two other boys came probably about three months later. Okay. And then we lost our drummer Dion before that move because he wanted to focus on uni and art. Oh, yeah. And we were constantly like, you know, having like conversations with him where it's like, hey bro, you need to pick up like a little bit more. We want to do this more seriously. But I could see that he was torn between wanting to go further into his art, which he's had art before music. Yeah. So, you know, for me to kind of like be like, don't worry about art, just worry about drums. Yeah. It's a bit like crushing, <laughs> you know what I mean? For me to be like, forget your dream. Yeah work on my dream yeah. um, so you know eventually when we left Brisbane he was like I'm still going to move to Brisbane but I'm not going to do the band okay. and I was like that's all good yeah. we ended up uh, knowing Rangi from all of our touring circuits who now plays in Barbarossa and Pandemic yeah. so Rangi joined up with RRA yeah and then we eventually moved down we finished recording a five track EP with Dan Field and also ourselves as well we pretty much like produced it and then after that I think just the the shock of moving to Brisbane uh, kind of like weighed down on everyone. Okay. You know, when you come from towns where it's such a small place and you make your own fun and you move to Brisbane and there's all these different opportunities and ways that you can make fun or have fun as well, yeah. it gets overwhelming. So you kind of like lose focus on what your main goal is yeah. and then you just get overwhelmed by everything around you. So yeah. it, like nobody in RA has ever said, I don't like you or like, I don't want to do this anymore. We just silently kind of fell off. Out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like we put out our release Idealism, uh, which never got played live. Okay. Um, and then basically just fizzled out yeah. Yeah, as it happens. But we got to play a lot of sick shows when we yeah. moved down to Brisbane. Like we played with uh, Saviour, which was a big Fuck band. Yeah. That, that was a big influence for yeah. Red Ribbon Army Fuck growing yeah. up. 
Um, so Ocean Grove as well. Uh, Confession, which was really cool, you know, for the classic like Australian mosh core. Um, but you know, it just didn't seem to like happen, you know, but it's what happens really. Yeah, yeah. And you just want to make your next band. Yeah, exactly. You just want to make your best band, like, sorry, your next band, the best one that you can do really. You know, step yourself, step up from there basically. And then from Red Ribbon to Isolation straight away? There was a bit of a period of time. Um, so, what was it? Remember, 2016 is when RA fizzled out. And then it was pretty much me for a year alone, like writing riffs <laughs> by myself and just trying to like, um, you know, try and work out a new band. I kind of felt like I wanted to be more involved in the, the general composition side of the instrumentals and everything like that and have a bit more of a vision. Um, so I mostly focused on that. So I stopped doing vocals for a very long time. Oh, not really a long time, probably about a year and a half just to focus on playing guitar again and picking up that skill because I played guitar all throughout high school but I was just always around better guitarists so I was like hey I'm just going to do this screaming thing <laughs> um, so you know that basically that ended up happening and then I started getting heavily into Kublai Khan and I saw Ashley post on some you know local Brisbane band group like looking for a vocalist that you know Kublai Khan varials and I was like hey I like both of those bands and it was very much out of my comfort zone like as I said like I don't really especially when you're joining a new band with new people it is kind of like that breaking the ice and getting to know each other and in music personalities can be pretty big sometimes as well so it gets a bit like daunting but I sent out a message and I said hey you know like I'm interested in what you're doing at the moment I like these bands like you know here's like me playing a live video with one of my previous bands as well and he liked it invited me along uh, next thing you know, I'm meeting him and we're recording vocals on Prophet of Doom demo, <laughs> like going from there. And it was really good. And like, I guess that's something that like, I would even suggest to people as well out there. If you have been in a band previously and you want to continue doing it, take that risk and meet new people. Yeah, you know what I mean? If not, yeah, exactly. If you didn't, we wouldn't yeah. be like, you know, doing what we love now, yeah, yeah. which is so great. If not, we'd probably be sitting there and being like, dang, I wish I gave that opportunity yeah, a shot. Be a very person. Exactly. And that's how I felt like in that sense of like RA, especially like moving your life putting a lot of blood, sweat and tears into a record that then gets put out, but you're not giving it the full promotional or release yeah. push that you like, you know, feel it deserves. Yeah. And then you're not backing it up live with tours and stuff like yeah. that. Not to say there was there was bitterness, but there was more like disappointment. Yeah. And there was disappointment within myself. I felt that disappointment towards my band members. I felt that they probably felt the same about me, you know what I mean? And then it gets to a point where you're like, hey, I want to give this a better shot. Like I moved my life to fucking do the damn yeah. thing. Let's fucking do it. Yeah. So like no mucking around and that's pretty much my attitude for isolation since day one Definitely. it's just yeah. like you know we're here to do the thing <laughs> don't waste time yeah that separates the people that want it to the people that say they want it it really does there's a drastic difference in those two things you can say I like playing music I want to be in a band all day long but how much are you going to put behind it exactly to be in a band and make it work yeah because not everybody gets along all the time not everybody agrees on the same things all the time and some people just need to be reminded of commitments yeah. so it's like it definitely like shows the work you guys put into everything you do with isolation and without that fizzling out and seeing lack of motivation at the end of Red Ribbon Army wouldn't be so like in control of isolation now yeah exactly yeah and that's pretty much how it's always like you know tried to be I know even Ash like he was in a previous band as well okay. so that's something that me and him both bonded about I think he left his other band 
Um, you know, just for like musical differences. Yeah. I think he wanted to go a certain way and they wanted to stay the same way that they were going. Yeah. Just perfectly fine. Bands yeah. find that formula and they want to keep rolling with it. Yeah, it is very risky sometimes taking risks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we both basically, um, you know, kind of bonded over the experience that we've had with our previous bands and that we just want to, you know, do the damn thing and do it better than yeah. we ever have before. Yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah, that's sick. Yeah. That's the good shit. Exactly. It's like a good, you kind of like, you know, I think when bands first start off, they're kind of like making everything up as they go. So you kind of like making the expectation for yourself up as you go. Whereas if you come in the door, like, you know, with that mentality and you're like, hey, this is what I want, yeah. then it's going to be cemented from day one, yeah, which is yeah. good. Yeah. 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 Fuck yeah. That's so sick. And like cementing it, it's always been the same thing. Because listening to the first EP to This World Grows Cold, they're very, like, you can tell it's the same vision the entire time. Whether like the, the music's a little different and the vocals are a little different, the lyrics are a little different, you can tell that it's still the same project, yep. like the same core moving forward, which is excellent. And with your lyrics, did they change much between the two releases? Yeah, very much okay, so. Okay, cool. So like, <laughs> War In My Mind is a lot of like, I don't know, I guess years of aggression that I couldn't really put into music because RA was very melodic and very happy. Okay, yeah. So for example, like I've always played in two bands, like especially in Townsville, there was Red Ribbon Army and there was Before the Harvest. So Before the Harvest was like symphonic deathcore, RA was like your melodic metalcore, progressive metalcore kind of vibe. Okay. So I used to think of it like a bit of a yin and yang. So like with RA, you could sing more about life experiences, whereas Harvest were very much like aggression, okay. you know, all that kind of like negative feelings, but you put like a spin on it in terms of, in terms of like a metaphorical sense. So you're not just like outright, like fuck the world. You're like, <laughs> all right, this is how I feel about the world. And this is why I think fuck it, you know, like try and put a bit more of a story to it. Yeah. And then, so the fact that I hadn't done anything heavy for quite some time, because I left before the Harvest, probably about 2011 to focus on Red Ribbon Army, I hadn't done like that negative kind of like writing for a while. Hearing the music, it was very much like of that kind of mindset as well. You had a lot of the heaviness and like aggressive aggressive attitude kind of like within it. So it was just more of a time where I was like, all right, this is how angry I've felt over the last few years. So I'm gonna let it out through War In My Mind. And War In My Mind is pretty much a very big like, I don't know, um, weight off your chest in terms of like mental health, you know what I mean? And like your feelings and negative feelings, putting into something positive being the record rather than just kind of sitting there internally being that person and grumpy. But like, even when I joined like isolation, I had like two and a half months, three months, if anything, to before we started recording War In My Mind. Okay. Yeah, because they were meant to, they had like a whole lineup organized, yeah. you know, just fizzled out or like you know some of the dudes bail or whatever so I kind of came in last minute all these kind of instrumentals were like ready to go just without obviously having like the Troy touch on them Um, so I just wrote a lot of lyrics and a lot of them just ended up being negative and then like years on you know you kind of look at that and like sort of like the stuff and I say it now because as you get older you know you kind of like you change your outlook on life (laughs) before I wrote War In My Mind was before my daughter was born and I was actually recording vocals at the time that my daughter was born so like I went I finished work went to go lay down like the last touch up vocals on War In My Mind and then I got a phone call from my partner she said I'm going into labour so I had to bounce from choice but she was really like I told her too because we knew that it was like two days after the due date we're like yo like I gotta go record after this, but if you're not feeling like well, you let me know. And apparently she'd been like, you know, what is it fucking, started labor, like all the the pain started and everything for like six hours before she told me, but she was like, you're recording, you do your thing. And I'm like, 
Jess, like, <laughs> we need to go now, kind of thing. And yeah, I got home and she was just, like really lovely about it and really calm. Like, we need to go to the hospital. Yeah. But yeah, basically, then I had like a good two and a half week break because you know, my daughter being born. And then I went back and I started to record some of the lyrics and I laughed. Because I was just like, I do not feel this way. Like, there was a line that's like, living inside my head is only the vision of death. And I was like, bruh, death is the last thing on my mind right now. Like, I love life so much. That's crazy. So, you know, like, it happens like that. And that's where I, like, then put a, a decision on it that I want to be a bit more mature. Okay. So then we put out Mind State. And Mind State is meant to be pretty much like a summary of war in my mind, where it's pretty much putting an end to that kind of, like, negative. Because you're starting to decide, like, hey, I don't want to be this negative person. And I also don't want to portray this in my lyrics as well. I'd rather give our listeners a bit more hope than kind of, like, put them, you know, push them back into that negative mentality, basically. Yeah. yeah. That's excellent. Mm. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it seems like your stories is massive chapters and then they end and they lead to the next one. Exactly. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. It's weird to even, like, think of it like that yeah, as yeah. well. Because, you know, during the time, like, you know, talking about it now, you can think that they are chapters. But when you're like just you know doing the day-to-day yeah. thing, it's just like oh, a smooth, yeah, you're just yeah. grinding. But then you know when you put it that way, it's very true. Yeah. So like, yeah, interesting to think of it like that. Yeah. So like the the aggression leading up through Red Ribbon Army turning to isolation to recording to having a kid to closing all that yeah. negativity and moving forward. Exactly. That's yeah. fucking excellent. Yeah, and it's a good way to look at it like that as well. Yeah. Like you know, nobody wants to be negative all the time. You have your moments for it and your times, of course. <laughs> <laughs> just try and breathe sometimes, you know, just woosa. <laughs> That's crazy. Moving forward with isolation, like after this release, do you have any like big plans for what you do next? Like, do you plan that far ahead or no? Yeah, we do. So, like, in a sense, like, even. You know, when we were planning War in My Mind, oh, sorry, not War in My Mind, This World Grows Cold, we had an idea of kind of like what we wanted to do next. Yeah. But it's always constantly like ideas popping up and then it's just a matter of how many people attach onto that idea. Okay. And because you kind of see the interest once like other members have attached onto it, you're like, all right, cool. So they're invested in this idea as well, yeah. which means they want to do it. Yeah. So like even at the moment, pretty much our next plan is I personally, I know that me and Ash have spoken about this. So I want to do like a single that's a bit more different to what we normally do in the sense of I want to go like insanely heavy okay. like you know, I'll be influenced very much so by bands like Burn in Hell from Australia definitely check them out they're oh, really yeah. good very important band in Australia um, they just we use a, a polished version of HM2 okay. and then sometimes like you know because we're so polished I feel like can we play with these bands or can we not but we still get invited to play with them but it's just a matter of wanting to push ourselves and say hey Let's give the people an unpolished version of Isolation. Let's not put a chorus in this song, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, let's just go straight two minutes and ten seconds worth of insane heavy. Yeah. Brow-beating heavy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty much, like, our next plan for that, um, as well as looking at maybe doing another three-track to five-track release. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then among... Well, with the general, this world grows cold timeline, as long as, uh, you know, COVID and restrictions in Australia allow us to do. This is going to be my next question. <laughs> <What's> <laughs> well, hopefully you're going down south. Okay, cool. Yeah, so okay. like, hopefully, pending with all these uh, restrictions and everything, we're going to do an east coast of yeah. uh, this world grows cold, which will see us for the first time going on beyond New South Wales and ACT into Victoria. Yeah. Might even see us in South Australia. Excellent. Just depending on, you know, budget and everything like yeah, that yeah, as yeah. well. 
Um, but we're going to focus mostly August at, at Queensland. Yep. So try and just focus in on Queensland at the moment and then eventually go down south. Fuck yeah. yeah. Sick. We'll bring the heavies down there. Exactly. That's sick. sick. <laughs> <laughs> we just had the show planned in Sydney, in New South Wales. I can't remember if it was Sydney or yep. it was Sydney. Yeah, Sydney. Okay, yeah. Sydney, Sydney City. So. Oh, which venue? Um, what was it called? The Burdekin Hotel. Okay. Fuck which you. is actually like a weird omen for me because I'm like originally from like, you know, near the Burdekin River and stuff like okay. that. So it felt really special at the time to get offered a show at the Burdekin Hotel. So moving into New South Wales and then Victoria, South Australia, hopefully, that's yep. fucking sick. And the goal is to just be the band that slugs it out through the country. Exactly, that's Fuck it. Because once again, like even, you know, Bands that are in very fortunate locations, such as Brisbane, Sydney, etc. Even some of them get that bit of the, you know, big fish in a little pond mentality yep. where they want to sit and wait for things to happen. But if we all did that in life, <laughs> we'd be waiting a long time, wouldn't we? So, you know, that's just not the attitude to sit around and wait for stuff. It's just a matter of, you know, talking with promoters to organize the shows down there and yep. everything like that. We've been very lucky enough to be working with BMT. Uh, okay. His name's Brendan. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's been helping us out here helping us out heaps with these shows he gave us the Sydney show and then from there it's just a matter of like hey we want to do this and he's like well you know I can see that you guys want to do this there's not many other bands that do here's a bunch of dates you know what I mean yeah so it's Brisbane. Well, that's it. That's the whole reason I'm even in Brisbane. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I moved from Townsville to be closer to the border yeah. to continue playing shows down there. So it does hurt my heart a little bit about the Sydney show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, cancelled last minute, but it is what it is, and yeah. it's fully understandable. Yeah, and you'll yeah. be back down there whenever you can. That's it. Yeah, it's pretty much just a matter of rebooking the show now yeah, for, like, a new day. But we had to cancel it just because, you know, the general timeline and no venue knows what's going on yeah. during COVID. Yeah, unfortunately, it was, like, a three major state lockdown within like two weeks yeah so it's it all happened very fast that's yeah. for sure <laughs> <laughs> and even like our EP like release show here yeah. in Brisbane being cancelled yeah. as well due to that kind of stuff yeah. as well so it's kind of fucked and I feel like it couldn't happen to it it shouldn't have happened to such a nice and hard working band oh thank you <laughs> like from afar I've seen the work that's gone into what you're putting out and it's like to have this show shut down and this show shut down it would be so fucking draining it really is yeah. like especially when you kind of like you know you don't really you think about these things or you have like a daydream where you're like oh I wonder what it would be like to go play like a headline show in Sydney yeah, yeah. and then it happens and you're like oh my god like yeah. it's happening like you get it and then it's kind of creeping up you're selling tickets and then all of a sudden out of nowhere you know what yeah. I mean just overnight the government's like well yeah. <laughs> we're gonna lock down this area yeah. so you know it happens like that but it's just a matter now of basically like playing the waiting game and yeah. hopefully it's actually going to even like play play out bigger and better in that sense by hopefully. waiting. Yeah. yeah Gives it. people more time to listen to the release. Yeah. Maybe people that are in Sydney that, you know, may not have been able to see us on, you know, the Saturday just gone. Could work out better. Exactly. Yeah. They could probably now hear the band and they want to come to that show rather fuck than yeah. not knowing who we are. So, yeah. you know, there's positives and negatives to yeah. it. That's for sure. Fuck yeah. And it's a great release. Thank you. It's fucking sick. And I messaged you about it straight away. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, it's fucking excellent. It's really good stuff. And the lyric change from War in My Mind to This World Grows Cold. Obviously, you said the drastic difference, but what's the biggest difference? Is it more, like, it obviously positive, but is there, like, a different grouping of messages within that? Hmm. There's definitely, like, a mixed amount of messages in there, per se, because each song's got their own kind of, like their own standalone topic and yeah. message that you're going through. 
So for example, like with You'll Never Love Another, with that song, you're talking about previous relationships, um, you know, that have either failed or basically gone sour. Um, the main subject of that song is mostly abusive and toxic relationships. Yeah. Um, so that's really good to speak about. That's actually a song that's written by Ashley. Okay. Yeah, so that was really good to give him that opportunity yeah, as sure. well. Because he went through a very negative uh, relationship and I believe it caused him a bit of, you know, trauma from it. Yeah. And then by being able to write something like that and put it out to the world is very much a big relief. Yeah. Um, so he got to do that. I did very minor touch-ups on that song, but yeah. because I liked the message, I previously went through something similar as well. Okay. So, you know, that's pretty much like, Ash wrote that song, but it's our song. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? And when I sing that, that. Yeah. I sing it for him yeah. and myself as well. Yeah. Um, and then with Poison Within... Poison Within is talking about like people uh, that have let you down or basically like constantly kind of like, what's the term for it basically? They constantly kind of like say, hey, I'm up for this. It's basically about, you know, people within bands yep. that you play with because you're taking on such a, it's no longer just one person, it's five people. So if you have one of those five people not putting in the work, but they keep saying, hey, no, I will, but they don't, yeah. it does take its toll on you after a while. Yeah. And it just talks about the negativity that gets caused by those like false promises or yeah. you know, just not wanting to do the exact same amount of work as everybody else. Yeah. Uh, so Poison Within is probably more so about just also negative people in your life and yeah. it's you cutting ties with those people. Yeah. yeah. Um, then moving into Preacher of Deceit. <laughs> Preacher to see is probably one of my personal favorites because you're just talking about people that are constantly trying to tell you how you should be living your life. Whether if it just be, you know, through, you know, making sure that you're staying within some form of morality, basically. Like the main dig at it is a lot of religious people. And like that, not to say that everyone that's into religion is like this. There are some soapbox standards. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, the, a lot of these people will say, no, you shouldn't live like this or you shouldn't do that because it's wrong. But yet they live the exact same way as you. Yeah. So, yeah, basically we're not practicing what they preach. Yeah. So that's the whole general story about that. And just a matter of how, like, you know, if you can't really, you know, practice what you preach, don't fucking preach it. <laughs> like, I strongly believe that in my personal life. Like, yeah. I don't need a, a tag to claim to be a decent person. Exactly. You just be one. Yeah. That's and it. Under my own control. Yeah. 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 You don't need like you know some form of agenda behind it, or yeah. you know religious group, or some form of way that you live your life. Yeah. It's like it's, everyone wants to be happy at the end of the day, yeah. so it's like you know let them go be them. Yeah. You know. You do you. That's yeah. it. And well, it's basically the main thing of it is if you are gonna try and tell people how to live your life, you best be setting a fucking example for yeah. that and not spinning shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. Excellent. Um, and then moving into this world grows cold. This world grows cold mostly touches on a lot of uh, you know Australian topics within Indigenous Australians as well, and uh, the oppression that a lot of people feel uh, from the Australian government as well, and feeling like Indigenous voices are heard, you know, well beyond second place or second voice in the conversation. That's for sure. Uh, so that's why I really love that song and that message as well, especially the maturity of talking about that and just the feeling that you. No matter what you do to try and change the circumstances of the general, you know, situation, it's just not changing because you just don't have the power to do so. So you're kind of left in this thing of feeling, you know, helpless, but it's just a matter of continuing to push and recognize that this is not right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. That's a powerful message as well. And a message I feel like isn't pushed enough within our genre 
of music. It should be more like it's built off the back of saying things that should that aren't being said. Yeah. That need to be voiced. So I think that's fucking excellent. Exactly. And very relatable to like everybody, especially the indigenous community. Of course. That's yeah. fucking excellent. And that's it, because some people like, you know, I even feel like some of the, like, the different communities that I've met, the hardcore scene's probably been the most more like honest and open about learning more about Indigenous culture compared to like other, you know, it's different, whether it be in music or whether it be in sports or just different things. But I've noticed that the hardcore culture really has a want to understand and know more and learn and be educated. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the basis of it, definitely. It's of just course. Misunderstood people wanting to educate themselves on other things that are misunderstood. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And it just makes the, the world a better place, you know what I mean? Definitely. Like, if, you know, you can learn something from me, I want to learn something from you. Yeah. And that's just how it should be. It should yeah. never be a one-sided conversation, PMA that's for sure. every day. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Or in isolation's case, anime every day. Because, <laughs> you know... I fucking back that. <laughs> that's it. Back the, the negative mental attitude. That's right, that's gone now because I had a kid and everything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Over. Yeah. Done. Now you watch Disney movies. That Frozen... Constantly. Respect. Oh, yeah. Too much frozen. <laughs> Some would say. That's funny as fuck. Yeah. Cool. Right. And now one band I want to talk to you about in particular because you pulled me up on it. And you know where I'm going yes. straight away. Underrated as fuck in my opinion. Yep. The fucking murder dolls. <laughs> the <laughs> motherfucking murder dolls. Yeah. Mr. Wednesday 13, Joey Jordanson. Yes. Whatever the other guy's <laughs> name is. The guy from Static X that allegedly had sex with a minor. Oh, really? Yeah. Was he in Murder Dolls as well? The original guitar player? Yeah. And then he got kicked out. And then AC Slade joined yeah. with Eric Griffin and Ben Graves' rib. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Hectic. Full blown. I didn't realize that about Static X guy. Yeah. 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 I know everything. Yeah. <laughs> and I like, because like fully, like, I guess like my love for Murder Dolls comes from like Slipknot. Yeah. There's like, you know, listening to Slipknot, you have nine dudes that are also doing their own different things creatively outside of Slipknot. Yeah. So I got heavily into Stone Sour because of Corey Taylor and my connection to him and his lyrics. Um, also then Jim Root's guitar playing within Stone Sour yeah. and being able to see such like a beautiful transition between his like, heavier side of music writing and then there's like this nice like rockier more soulful but it's still heavy at the yeah, same yeah. time um and then joey jordanson basically with you know murder dolls yeah. you know finding out about that and just the fact that he played guitar as well and he did a bit of singing and i was like this guy's a freak like yeah, he can yeah. do it all and i was like that means like doesn't mean that you just have to play one instrument and like you know be sick at it like yeah. you can go across all and be like multi-instrumentalist yeah. like so it was just insane to see, but yeah, just that vibe as well. I guess it was another kind of like shocking factor. So instead of being like intrigued by these masks, I'm like, these dudes are rocking leather and they're and killing it. Like, yeah, exactly. Stockings and shit. Yeah. Cause I did have a bit of like a soft spot growing up for some hair metal and stuff. Like, you know, you still, not Steel Panther. Um, what are they like poison and I stuff like that as well yeah exactly <laughs> like my parents like listen to a lot of that stuff growing up so i heard it so looking at you know poison all those hair metal bands and looking at murder dolls it was basically just like a big fuck you to that kind of like hair and glam kind yeah. of industry but it's like hey we're gonna do this but darker yeah and i think i really liked that yeah the fact that, like a lot of their lyrics as well were really like they're smartly written you know yeah. what i mean like you listen to it and you hear like um 
like grave robbing USA and stuff yeah. like that. Like they're singing a song about going around digging up corpses and you know I don't have to finish the rest of it. But you know they're doing. But it's like who thinks of that? You know what Wednesday I mean? Wednesday yeah. And like you know, so it's just amazing. And then yeah. even like their cover of like White Wedding and stuff like so, that as well. Yeah. But yeah, I copped a lot of shit from my dad listening to that album religiously Same. as a kid. Same. Yeah. What, what would you get? Marilyn Manson. I, a lot of slurs. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was it? He's like, die, 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 teenage mutant prom queen yeah. scum or something like that. And I was just like, bro, where'd you come up with this? Like, you could probably actually write lyrics for yeah. these guys now. Like, but you know, like I cop like, it wasn't like, it wasn't like being like negative or anything like yeah. that. But he was just like, well, if this isn't the kind of music you're into, like, you know, that's what you're into. I was very negative because my parent is at this stage, 76 years old. Oh, really? Yeah. He's a full-blown old boy. Yeah. Loves country music. Yeah. And hates that I listen to metal. Yeah. There's always had It's always been a phase. And I'm like, hey, I'm almost 27, but yeah. it's not a phase. It's like, this pretty damn old phase. <laughs> I've like, been going pretty long with this. Yeah. But he supported me, came to my first show. Oh, that's really Love good. That's what all matters yeah. at the end of the Love day it. as well. He was like, don't know what that cunt's saying, but you did good. And I was exactly. like, I didn't. Yeah, I know I didn't. <laughs> it's my parents showing my music to people. They're like, "This is my son's band." Like, I don't know what you're saying, but it's good. Yeah. And I'm just like, "Yeah." <laughs> like, <laughs> so, did the Joey Jordison being in two bands, like, sort of inspire the the okayness of being in two bands? I would say so in a sense. Like, I would have much preferred, especially now as I've gotten older, if I was to be in two bands today. They would have to be like one would have to be doing vocals the other one would probably be playing guitar or bass yeah. um but i would try and ideally push them to be different genres in a sense you know yeah. uh, there's no point making a isolation 2.0 exactly it's like why would you split half your time and focus on isolation and then mini isolation yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like you know so it's just a matter of like if that was the case it would have to be another instrument I, for sure i meant back in like red ribbon oh back in red yeah, ribbon yeah, yeah. oh yeah Pretty much like that was more so like I was kind of like forced into it, you know what I mean? Like, but because of the people that you, yeah, like well, that's it. I already had my um, deathcore band and they were starting to get up there. And then I think because my friends saw that like, hey, he's done the damn thing now. He's broken through just jamming in a garage. They were like, hey, let's get Jared. And because these were my childhood friends that I've tried time and time again to create a band with. Um, basically that, you know, didn't really go off. I was like, well, these guys need me. They want me. Yeah. I want to be with them. Yeah. Like, but I don't want to leave this deathcore band that I'm doing. Cause like I've, you know, just put my head down and started what I've already started. Yeah, yeah. So no point then just turn around and be like, oh, bye guys. Like yeah. I'm going to go join this band now. Yeah, yeah. And once again, it was that duality of heavy and also I guess a bit more melodic. Yeah. So you're getting your creative fulfillment. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I could write songs that were aggressive or like uh, metaphorical. Um, you know, through the deathcore band, and then I could be a bit more honest and straight up and real within the Red Ribbon Army. Fuck yeah. Sick. Yeah. Let's jump back to Murder Dolls. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, with the Murder Dolls, there's two drastic different places for that band beginnings using Frankenstein Drag Queens music and then 2010 Murder Dolls, which is all fresh material. Do you sit on a particular side of that? Probably definitely so more so like Beyond the Valley yeah. is like more so where I landed with yeah. that. Prior to Murder Dolls, I was listening to a bit more of like Wednesday 13 stuff, like a Home Sweet Homicide, yeah, I think yeah. it was a song. Yeah, yeah. He also had like uh, The Devil Made Me Do It and I'll Do It Again. That was like my all time favorite song. Such a banger. 
I would play that really loudly just so my parents could hear it. I'd just look at him a bit and be like, don't fuck with me, mum and dad. Make eye contact. Be like, the devil made this fella get the gun. Like, (laughs) just kind of shit to like scare him. I'd be like, listen to this. Um, I'm the bad man. (laughs) Fuck with me, mum and dad. And then I had, like, that I'm there drinking like Pepsi Max out of a Coca Cola glass or something. Just like, I'm cross brand. But yeah, definitely more so beyond the valley. Yeah, like yeah. was more so where I landed with murder dolls yeah. and kind of stayed as well. Yeah. Did go back to a few of it and everything like that. But yeah. are you more so on the other side? No, are I you? love the first album. Yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, just because it's like that's more of what Wednesday Thirteen ended up becoming. Because I froth Wednesday Thirteen's yeah. solo stuff, and then listening like that, all of that stuff's from his beginnings before Joey. Yeah, and like just the weirdness of like grave robbing the USA and like. Die my bride, yeah. like just cooked. Or Love twist, the first fry. Yeah, twist my sister. Just like Please the man. most cooked lyrics of all time. Yeah. Just yeah, I love that shit. As a kid, being like, this is so fucked up, and nobody else likes it. I think this is sick. Yeah. It's just like the best thing to me. I swear, like especially within my friends group, like I think Murder Dolls was a little bit too out there, in a sense, like for a yeah. lot of people. I was very much alone listening to Murder okay, Dolls. Yeah. And especially in like North Queensland, that sucked. Yeah. And if we probably had a crew and a posse with me, we'd be dressing up yeah, in leather I was, and skirts. I'm in North Queensland. <laughs> we would be the best as a friend. Fuck out. <laughs> There'd be like another dark cell based yeah. band. Like it's for you and me. <laughs> like, it'd be called like Grave Robin Australia yeah. or something. Like you know, pay homage to it. <laughs> Grave Rob AUS. AUS. The combo of fucking hardcore and <laughs> straight up <laughs> weird Murdoch music. <laughs> Let's see. Well, being from North Queensland, I can assume that not everybody's the biggest heavy metal fan. Yeah. Would that be the case? Very much so. Like, it's definitely got a small, small market there for it. It has grown because, like, as of the genre has grown over yeah. time as well. You know, like, you have a lot of people doing it really well. Like, Bring Me the Horizon. Like, I believe even, like, you and Marcel previously were talking about Linkin Park. Yeah. Um, basically, kind of, like, being that stepping stone for a lot of bands, especially because it was more, like, radio-friendly, a bit yeah. more heavy metal Bring rock. Bring definitely that band. They are now the new Linkin yeah, Park. Yeah, if you look at it, everything kind of eventually goes through a timeline, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, look at new metal coming back. Yeah. Even, like, War of My Mind was a very new metal-y, like, you know, based with hardcore. Yeah. Whereas, like, even there's still some of that on the new record as well, and this world grows cold. I froth one part in particular. <laughs> Uh, in this world where it's called the song yeah. uh, this world has a place for you yeah. the rhythm on that fucks me yeah. up it's very hardcore it, sounding it's cool oh, hey it touches my soul yeah. I'm just like it needs like one oh. of those you know how like in the other like hardcore bands that do like that stop and it's like Soop. and like it drops like it feels like it needed like one of those yeah. in that sense yeah. but yeah the moment that kind of like lined up like lyrically I was like that's fucking sick it punches so yeah. yeah cause like I don't know personally like if you've gone through and have you written much lyrics for songs before? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So like my personal general process is like I'll listen to the song, go off and write. And then once I have like the lyrics in place, I'll start to read them across like the song and I'll yeah. kind of flow it. And yeah, the moment that that landed in place the way that it did, I was like, that's something special. Yeah. And 100%. you know, as long as little pieces fall in place like that, the rest of the song can be pretty easy. Yeah. I think like the longest song that took me to write lyrically on that whole release was probably Preacher of Deceit. Okay. It was just a matter of making sure that I wanted to fully express myself and get that message out across yeah. like correctly as well. Fuck yeah. Sick. But yeah. It comes across supernatural, which is like, I think what makes it hit even harder. Yeah. Because it's like, I wasn't expecting it. I watched the video when it came out and I was just like, what the fuck? 
fuck. Yeah, especially in the point that it is in the song yeah. as well. I feel like you're kind of like building up and then you hit that drop and it's just like a whole brand new song from yeah. there. So it's just kind of like a slow introduction. I took my phone down. <laughs> <laughs> it, was like, it was like almost went hardcore came on it <laughs> ready to throw down like yeah yeah it definitely got me fucking going I was like that's sick that's so tough but yeah I'm out of questions now it's all good <laughs> <laughs> is there anything you want to talk about um I don't know what would be another question do you want to go into the creative process for you with Joy yeah of course I assume you were doing a lot of the stuff like vocal tracking yeah. on your own Yep. if not with like limited people yeah well, I was pretty much there for the whole recording too uh, yeah. yeah I quit my job to go record Fun. during COVID because really? I'm a psychopath like that that's beautiful because I love music I'm an idiot <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you know definitely not loving, loving music does not make you an idiot yeah it's, com- it's commitment that's it I was working like a contract job at the time anyway okay. as well it was going to come to an end in two weeks okay and I was like hey like can I get time off to go record and they were like, no. And I was like, bye. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I was like, well, I'm going to go do this recording. Fuck yeah. Like, you know, because that's it. Especially after, like, you know, you got COVID. I lost a job before COVID as yeah. well. Oh, like, sorry, when COVID hit. Yeah. And I was just working this kind of, like, medium at the time, just, you know, pay bills. Okay, yeah. And I got to a point where I was like, well, if I can't go record, like, <laughs> I'm going to leave this to yeah. go do it. Yeah. So, you know, and then basically recording took, like, two weeks. So while I was even recording, it was just a matter of looking for work at the same time. Yeah. So when the boys would be like tracking guitars, just be on seek, <laughs> looking for work. I'm like, this is like the true rock star life. <laughs> like, quit your job, do what you love, but you know, stress to find work to go back to. I the other room, myself playing motocross games. <laughs> life. Yeah, that's that's it. it. It's all going on differently for people. That's for sure. It's fucking excellent. But yeah, like the general creative process with Troy for us is so like to even go back instrumentally. The general process is like Ash will come up with a riff and then he'll start to structure it. He'll send it to us. Uh, we will all go over and get together as a five piece or if not, you know, as many as possible. Yeah. My first step is always getting Gage on the drums to go through and clean it because, yeah. you know, we can write drums, but we're not drummers. Yeah, exactly. And also just a matter of keeping, making sure that it's, it's Gage's flavor and style. Yeah. And that's what we want. You yeah. know what I mean? Like if we didn't want that, then we'd be like, hey, we wrote these drums, you played this. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, you know. and being a drummer previously, having that happen is very like, oh, am I not good enough? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, I've even had drummers in bands where it's pretty much like, they never got a say in like, you know, what they were yeah. playing until maybe a certain point or whatever. But you can see there's so much more passion and love yeah. in like creating your own art to play. Yeah. And that's like, it becomes a giant collaboration then that yeah. way. Like, and the drummers look way more comfortable because instead of them kind of being afraid to be like, oh, those MIDI drums are a bit too hard for me. Yeah. Like they're like, hey, I want to change this so I can play it. Yeah. So basically what will happen is that Gage will, so Ash will bring a riff, we'll get Gage on there to like touch up the drums. Yeah. And then from there, it's just a matter of then going through the riffs again drums may change a little bit again I jump on there and do vocals we sit there for a bit and look at it and we're like you know we still like this after like a few weeks like there's nothing that we want to change it goes into the pile to take Detroit cool. um, once we get Detroit's for example with this world grows cold we went in there with about I think it was like nine to ten songs um, we tried a lot of different stuff as well okay. like there was even this one song on there uh, which was part of like the did not make this world grows cold list I can't remember exactly what it was called, but I was calling it like a goth ballad. Okay. And it was just like a much slower, creepier, uh, like 
I wouldn't say like Marilyn Manson, but like it kind of felt like it could have gone that way, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, unfortunately that one just didn't make the list. But that was something that I was really proud of that we took in there at least or even created because yeah. it was not isolation. Yeah. Like it still was, yeah. but it was just like a different light for isolation, that's for sure. But from there, we, we look at those 10 songs. Troy will write down the ones that he thinks are the best. We'll write down the ones we think are the best. Yeah. You start to trim the fat away yeah. and you're like, all right, track number eight is not good to go. You know, it needs the most work. So let's put that to the side for later. Yeah. Then you end up left with the five tracks that make it for the general EP, and it's just a matter of working hard on there, like from there. Yeah. So you go through like another lot of pre-production, but this time with like, you know, under the watch of Troy. Yeah. Troy's suggestions being added in upon like, you know, we may have even had new ideas from yeah. when we did our own pre-production to now working with Troy, and it's just a matter of running with those ideas from Fuck there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's super collaborative. Yeah. Everyone's getting their creative needs met. Exactly. Best thing for bands yeah. to keep going. Like you want to walk away from a release when you've done it, not kind of like second guessing yourself or you know regretting that you didn't make this decision or hey I didn't try this kind yeah. of thing. So it's always a matter about trying something and hearing how it goes on the record. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, even like the person that wants that idea could hear it back and go, oh no, that yeah. wasn't right. But yeah. in my head it sounded like this. Yeah. It's always a matter of giving someone that opportunity to hear it. Yeah. 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 Just taking the risk, like moving to yeah. Brisbane. And that's <laughs> it, yeah, you know. Meeting new people all goes back to risks and commitments. Which is fucking sick. That's it. Cool. Yeah. Well, do we want to hit your top five favorite fucking bands of all time? Ooh, is this like bands or can we go like artists as well? You can go artists and bands. Hmm. Do you listen to other stuff other than heavies? Yeah, I love like even like a bit of country. You know, most people like when they get here with that answer, they're like, listen to everything but country. Unfortunately, I'm from North Queensland, so country's ingrained in me from a kid. So Slim Dusty and stuff like that. So you know, if you don't fuck with Slim Dusty. Is that a rapper? <laughs> <laughs> Your face for a second, I was like, wait. What? <laughs> but I think there is like a rapper named Slim, oh, Slim Shady. Yeah. Um, you know other things. Um, but yeah, like I grew up on a lot of different stuff, um, like a lot of 80s. My parents, they're not musicians per se, or like especially my dad played a bit of like a keyboard and organ when he was a okay, kid. That's crazy. And like their family was very based around the organ. Um, you know, for like family entertainment. Instead of having a TV, you'd sit around and sing songs with your family. So much more like wholesome. That is very wholesome. Yeah, it was very wholesome. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, so, you know, like I got to see a lot of that within my family members as well. So like I have two cousins that have actually like made a, a good go at music. One's a singer and one's the drummer, Brendan, who got me into Slipknot. Um, but yeah, you know, my family's always been around a lot of music um, growing up. Like my dad loves The Cure. Oh, so I love The Cure. Me too. Um, Smashing that, Pumpkins. That's where the goth thing comes from? Yeah, dude, I 100%. think, honestly, I reckon, I look back on it now, like, The Cure would have to be, like, my interest in, like, goth kind of stuff, like that dark aesthetic. Yeah. Because even looking at them, the music that they were making wasn't very wasn't gothy. Heavy, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> like, then you look at their vibe and you're like, like, imagine if Murder Dolls sung, like, Led Some, Zeppelin yeah, or something. Or like, the, the Smiths. If, yeah. If Murder Dolls did The Smiths, yeah. that's The Cure. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So like, yeah, Dad was a big fan of Prince, uh, The Cure, Smashing Pumpkins, Bon Jovi, like, you know, all that kind of stuff. A lot of New Wave, like yeah. New Order. Cool. So yeah, I got all these like weird different tastes from him growing up, whereas mum was very much Bon Jovi, um, Goo Goo Dolls, other various things. Interesting. Yeah, you know, but then Iris. so like, I'd be Iris, <laughs> beautiful song. <laughs> But you know, so then eventually you just find your own place. So like I was listening to a lot of that kind of stuff. 
and then my cousin, you know, eventually opened up the door to new metal, and I was like, Check this shit out. Jesus, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like, what is this world? Yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of like different styles, like yeah, everything and anything, I mostly like look for a message within the lyrics. Okay. I've always been very much connected to lyrics as a kid. Yeah, I remember the first time a song floored me on my ass lyrically was Bentley's "Cigarettes Will Kill You." Okay, I don't know why. That's but I could just hear like emotion in it. That's crazy. Yeah, it was weird, and I, I was like listening that. to it, and I was like. What's this guy singing about? And I would have been like eight, so I'm like, I don't understand what he's saying, but I can feel what he's saying. Yeah, it was I very strange. Never heard that song in my life. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When you hear it, maybe you might feel like some emotion. <laughs> 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 or maybe I was just a weird eight-year-old. Like <laughs> yeah. the song's really emotional. Like, <laughs> but um, in terms of like top five artists, yeah. Like, I definitely had to put Slipknot in there for Fuck. putting it like you know, yeah. basically putting me in that place. Um, but in terms of like all time shit, Slipknot, Parkway, because Parkway fully like changed the game for me. Yeah. Parkway is what got me more into like the more modern, newer, hardcore metalcore. Yeah. Um, who else would there be? Um, what do you think of that? I think Parkway, both Slipknot and Parkway are very influential to, I think, almost everybody Every- in heavy music. Yeah. But Slipknot's like that game changer band where once you hear them, you're like, this can be like untamed as fuck and still so good. Yeah. And then Parkway, especially for Australian musicians, it's like they can do it, we can do it. Yeah. So I think they're both very influential bands to everybody. Straight up. Yeah. Um, I would probably have to say. So we got Parkway, yep. Slipknot. Yeah. I would have to definitely say Carpathian as well, because year twelve for me, just being like you know, like bro, I'm about to leave school and go into this big bad world. That was in my like airpods every day on yeah. the airpods whatever speakers at the time probably skull candies <laughs> bro i was using like virgin flight ones hey? like whenever yes. i had a family member flies like get me some of them cheap headsets i'll use them for six months until they break and i'm like who's going on a virgin flight again like uh, <laughs> um so i definitely have to say as well carpathian for that reason uh especially being more sort of like a hardcore sound getting me into that um Suicide Silence, because they definitely changed the game for me in terms of like the deathcore. Yeah. Like I went home every day trying to imitate Mitch Luckier. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like it was going out of fashion. Um, and then yeah, in terms of the last band, I'd probably, well not band, but I'd have to say Notorious B.I.G. Fuck yeah. Yeah, big just because he was a big dude and I was always yeah. being a big dude. Same. Sex appeal, he's got confidence. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, man, he's doing it for the big fellas. He's yeah. doing it for the thick boys. Yeah, so the thick boy nation. Yeah, biggie all the way. So yeah, I'd have to go Slipknot for bringing me in, yeah. Parkway for kind of like, you know, pushing it up again, Carpathian for showing me a different style, Suicide Silence for just being like deathcore kings. And notorious B.I.G. for just being badass as always. Oh, Big sick. Papa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He loves the way you call him that. That's it, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Cool, man. Well, check out This World Grows Cold everywhere. Everywhere. And isolation going anywhere they can. Thank you. Fuck yeah. Sick, man. Thank check you. out Shokan 2021. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Shit house. There we go. Episode four done. Jared is an absolute legend, such a nice guy, and spreading great messages in his lyrics. And I also froth that he and I have a, a shared love for gothic-looking bands. Like I said in the intro, this world grows cold as everywhere. Go check that out if you haven't already. Also, go check out Isolation on all their social media platforms. 
at Isolation HC. Um, support your local bands and your local scene. For now, I'll see you next week on the Heavy Sweater Podcast. <laughs>